Hello, hello, hello. How are you doing today? I am so glad that you've tuned in once again. Uh, this is Be Sure Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Um, my name is Caleb and I'm so glad by the grace of God that I'm doing this. I hope you are so happy on that end. For this podcast to be fruitful to your life, you need a ticket. This ticket, lucky for us, isn't for sale. Yeah, so don't expect me to tell you, click this link and buy the ticket. No, 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 no. It is simply the decision to accept Jesus Christ as your personal savior. And once we get to the same level of belief, once we all decide to believe in Christ and trust him with our life, then all our lessons and programs here will land on fertile grounds. It's like I'll be speaking the same language you understand, you know. And I beg you to give me a couple of minutes as we pay attention to this background story just to understand why and how we get to have this ticket. Alright. So let's dive into it. If you're still listening to this point, I'm certain that you are a theist. And a theist is someone that believes in God not a god not gods not small gods but you are someone who believes in the existence of god you know that he created this universe and he is sovereign and mighty above anything else created he lives outside the control of space he lives independent of what the laws that govern man are of what we think around this world like he's not limited to our thinking of time and natural laws that is the god i'm talking about and i want us to believe and listen to this when he created the world according to the bible it is he did this with speaking he's just said let there be this let there be that you know and it happened for all the creation days until the day when he created man and when he created man, I'm talking about Adam and Eve. And man's creation stands out in that unlike for other creatures, man was created in his own image. You know, we read there in the Bible, like he said it in his own words, let us create man in our own image. Now that particular verse does uh, raise questions of why is God saying us? How many people was he talking to or about? And as we go on, as we keep on sharing, you'll come to understand that God exists in three persons, as three persons in one. That is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And it's not like these are going to be people uh, like we see our limitations as human beings, is if someone can't exist in three you know persons it is one part one but for god this is possible like i said in the beginning he lives independent of our personal uh, limitations and imaginations so he's talking to uh he's they are talking as the godhead god the son god the father and the holy spirit a couple of scholars think maybe he was talking to the angels because if he was in heaven then angels live in heaven but the disclaimer here comes out when he says in our image. If we had been created in our in the image of angels, 
then that would that alone nullifies that statement because we are not angels we know what angels are and we believe we are not angels and god saying let us create in our image would believe would make us believe that whoever god was talking to is like god and so we have to be created in that same image all right that is the first misconception and error that always comes around this particular topic you know this particular verse the other misconception that comes up here is that we love you know we just love saying this i'm created in god's image i'm created in in god's image and our understanding of an image is you know the way you resemble like your parents you have your dad's image and sometimes when people are in arguments they say to say hey don't try to body shame me don't tell me this i look like god now it is very good and very <laughs> ambitious for us to think that way but that's not what the bible tells us when he talks of his image he is trying to bring out the picture of the possibility the ability for i mean the fact that we have the spirit as part of our you know we have the will the the intellect we have the spirit that is why when you die as a believer you're able to still live on your spirit you exist in spirit form and that is the assurance we have that you meet god okay i just wanted to say this out so that in case a question comes up for those of us who are listening and we already have these questions maybe that could help to uh, answer and in case it doesn't feel free to scroll down go to the comments or reach out to me in my direct messages and let me know and we can see a way of how we can understand this better and uh, man's creation stands out in that unlike for the other creatures man was created in his image he used his own hands and at the end for the first time he was say he said when god looked at man he said he was he said this is very good you know in other creations that god was making he only said let there be and it happened let there be light light happened let this be separated from that and it happened but for man we see god getting down and using his own hands he died the creation by himself he didn't just speak into existence for a man and the other thing is god after creating man and woman though the bible just summarizes it as man that is to mean man and woman he looked and said it was very good so man really was the epitome of god's creation you know and he gave man these instructions to take care of to be in charge of all the creatures around the earth all right and once eve was created too that's when we hear god telling them to multiply and subdue the whole earth man and god were in direct communion of fellowship with god you know we see when we read the bible those of us who are already believers we see the verses that talk about god you know talking to adam there wasn't anything like uh, there had to be a mediator god was talking to man direct you know and until sin happened you know we read there the, the devil took an opportunity and questioned eve on god's instructions you know and then she gave in and this is one of the uh, things that happen in our lives the devil is so cunning and crafty the devil knows scripture he's not going to come and trick you as a non-believer no he's going to know that this person already knows the bible this person already goes to church so he's going to confuse you with what you don't know 
about God and what you don't know about his word. And one of the reasons that got me convicted to really start this up is for us to really be sure. You know, we have to be sure of our faith. We need to be sure of what we should and shouldn't do. We need to be sure of our relationship with God. Amen. So, you could have a question. There might be a question. Why did God let this happen? God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. He might have, he could have known this ahead of time. But then why? And uh, um, many scholars, just like me, do believe, many Bible scholars believe that God created Adam and Eve, man, with this untested, you know, untested faithfulness and unproven innocence. You know, they were innocent, they were faithful, not because they had been faced with a situation that required them to make a decision, but because they had never faced anything like sin. They were created with this mind that knew no sin. Okay, but until sin happened, that's when we see Adam and Eve realizing they've been naked all along. Adam and Eve didn't get this didn't sin and then their clothes disappeared no they were naked all through imagine that kind of innocence that we lost because in nature even a kid now gets to the age of three four and they no longer want you to see them if they are putting on their clothes they can't just strip naked before you because that was like robbed of us from we no longer have that right and the tree they ate of will go back with time and examine this story in detail but the bible tells us it was the tree of knowledge of good and bad now man knew what good was what bad was you know so god didn't let this didn't just give them in but god had to put them in a situation where they had to choose to follow his instruction or not and we will be seeing as we go through this whole journey that God never gets man in a position where man is a robot. No, never. God always puts for you a way out. He always tells you what should be done and he tells you what you shouldn't do. And if you make the decision to do the wrong thing, then you have sinned before him. God can never come and say, if you've prayed for me, you no longer want to sin, then I'm going to put for you a way that every time you go to sin, your eyes go blind. Every time you want to walk to this place and do something that goes against my will, I'm going to make your legs, you know, numb and all stiff. They can no longer walk. No, he doesn't do that. He'll actually give you the life for you to get your legs and they carry you to that place where you're going to sin from, you know, because he has given you the, the choice. You have the free will. He didn't create us as robots. We are not just there, you know, given instructions coded into our minds to wake up, do this, do that. No, no, no. He has given us that ability to make decisions. So Adam and Eve were created, but they were not robots. He gave them the free will to choose. So Adam and Eve realized their nakedness and hid from God. And so the fellowship was tainted. They could no longer talk to God face to face. Because they realized now they had sinned. We read in the Bible when God comes and calls him. And guy was hiding with a lady. And this is one thing I want us to mark. The relationship between Adam and God, between man and God, was never destroyed. It was the fellowship. Man could no longer look and talk to God direct. But the, the fellowship that Adam was created by God that God took Adam as someone like a close person, a friend, a, a son. You know, they were his children. That was never, never at any point destroyed. Okay? 
But because God is love, he paved a way for man to be redeemed all through history. You know, Saturn keeps fighting, but God too keeps on counteracting these Saturnist plans. We read it right from Adam until the church, the, the Jesus coming into picture, into death, to this very point. God is love. When you sin, when we sin, when I sin, he doesn't give up on me. He's always preparing a solution. He has prepared a way out. And through the history, right from all the Israelites, going from the Old Testament to the New Testament, whenever he puts up a law, they break it, sin against him, God never forgets his people. The, the fellowship is tainted, it is destroyed, but the relationship can never end. Take an example of you have your dad, your mom, your sister, your brother, and you get into a, dis, you know, a disagreement. You have a fight over something. At that moment, the fellowship is really not in, on a good you know, note because you can no longer talk to them. You can no longer smile. If you wanted to ask for some money from your parent, if you wanted to get something from your friend, your relative, your brother or sister, you cannot. There is no clear approach because you had a fight. But one thing that can never change is the fact that these are your siblings, these are your relatives, these are your family, okay? And to a certain extent, some people might really, uh, some parents will be so mad, you've done something so gross, big of a sin, and they say, I've disowned you, you're no longer among my children. Yes, they will say that, they will feel like that, but it can never change the fact that their DNA, <laughs> that you carry their DNA with you. Okay, so that's what I mean when I say the relationship can never be destroyed. The fellowship can, but not the relationship. So God and man, that is how it's, it was with Adam and to death. All right. Mm -hmm. A number of Bible scholars, you know, who have paid clear detail to God's plans over time, they do believe that his plan has always been to restore man to the same initial righteous state. The same state with which Adam and Eve were created in. And it is why he was raising up several characters, as we read from the Bible, you know, to redeem his people, you know. But they would fail at some point because they were not to that level that would make a sacrifice that could appease God. All right. Uh, God would raise up different people, right, from Adam and Eve. Then Adam failed, and then we go to uh, uh, his, you know, children's Cain committing the first sin of first murder. Then we go on to uh, Noah. We go to Abraham. We go to all Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, until Jesus Christ comes into picture, and it is through him that we are saved and cleansed of our sin. His suffering and death paid a price for us in him because through him we are justified now just about that allow me give us a, a clear explanation to understand it better justification is a legal term and for us to understand it better when you when someone is justified legally it's not because we are going to forget that they've done, they've broken the law, they've done something wrong. No. But because of the justification, we are, they are no longer considered as sinners or law offenders. Let me give us a scenario. Take an example of a certain man, a certain young man. I don't know why I'm using a man. 
I think men tend to break the law more than men, no more than ladies. I'm not sure about this, but for some reason, I just find it easy to use an example of a man. So take an example of a man that has really broken the law. Let me say he has uh, he has embezzled some money, so he's taken to court, and the judge reads him his case and he's found guilty, and he said because you've embezzled this amount of money, you are therefore sentenced to a maximum of five years in prison. Stay with me here. This man is being taken to uh, prison, spends there five years. Let me say this is 2020, 2022. 2025, this man gets out of prison justified. He went in as a law offender in court. They found him guilty and he was given, he was given like a, a punishment. And he, has, he was taken into prison. Now we are in 2027. He is out. This man is in a state that we say he has been justified of his, you know, wrongdoings. If he finds a judge tomorrow, if he finds a lawyer next time, if the police finds him, they are not going to arrest him and say, hey, you embezzled money in 2022. No, because this man embezzled money, but he was, you know, he served his punishment. Or take an example, they uh, find him guilty and tell him, you're going to be taken to prison for five years. Or an alternative is, you're going to pay back the five, let me say you've turned like five billion Uganda shillings. You're going to pay it back. If this man is able to get that money, or if his family is able to get that money and pay it back, this man is going to be exonerated. He's not going to be charged as guilty. Because, yes, he committed the sin. He did. He broke the law, but he has paid back. And at that level, that man is justified. As Christians, our justification comes from believing in Jesus Christ. Yes, we sinned. Yes, we carry this sinful nature. Yes, before God, we are not, you know, righteous. Yes, God looks at us and we cannot be in direct, you know, fellowship because of the sin. But Jesus Christ came on earth. He lived like man. He died and rose again. And it is not our good deeds as believers, as men, that merit our righteousness. But believing and trusting in him, it is through him. That's the sentence that he served, you know, the, the amount that was set to be paid, he did pay that by dying, suffering, dying on the cross and resurrecting, you know. Salvation doesn't bring about good fancy life on earth, but the assurance of eternal life upon death. Now, there is a couple of Christians today who have become Christians and they've been there for years. But if you asked them clearly, how did you get to that level of now you believe in Jesus Christ? They will tell you on a crusade somewhere and maybe uh, they prayed for a family member. They prayed for me. I got better because I was sick and I decided to give my life to Christ. Or someone will tell you an evangelist came our way and he told us if you become Christians, God is going to change your life. You're not going to be poor anymore. They gave their lives to Christ. Trust me. I beg to tell you that was, you made a good decision, but you did make it for the right choice. Let, let me just take a, take a scenario. You're in a relationship, but you got into this relationship because <laughs> apparently the guy told you, I have a lot of money. I am for famous. I'm so famous. 
you know, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to give you everything. You accept to date, to be in a relationship with this person. Now you can understand the kind of disappointment you're going to get when you are with him one, two, three, four, five years down the road and he hasn't done anything because this was not true. He never told you the actual reason as to why he wants you in his life, but he had to woe you into it by enticing you with these lies. Becoming Christians does not guarantee you're going to have a posh, fancy, happy, happy life. No. The only reason as to why you should give your life to Christ is because you have understood that the world was created by God out of love with a reason and a soul, you know, determination to have man and him in direct union and fellowship and everything and to be happy. But then sin happened. And it is because of this sin that we are born into that God decided to send Jesus Christ to die and pay for that sin. So that when we believe in Jesus Christ, we are saved. We are counted as righteous before God because of Jesus Christ. That is the only reason you give your life to Christ. And the other thing that we get as believers, as Christians, is that when we die, because we believe here on earth is not our final destination, at some point we are going to die. And death is imminent, my dear friends. Today you are alive. Today you are in school. Today you are working. But you can never know what's going to happen tomorrow. You can never look past this hour, this minute. And that is why we choose. Every time we listen to the gospel, it is always a good choice for one to make to give their life to Christ that moment. When you've understood why you need to give your life to Christ, how you should do it, you know. And at this point, I would want to trust that you now understand why salvation is essential, why you need to be saved. And for those who hadn't made the decision or those who made it earlier but were not sure of what they really believed, this is your chance to commit your life to him and be absolutely sure. And like I said, allow me to emphasize, my dear friends, if we make this decision today, if you recommit your life to Christ, if you reevaluate how you made your decision and realize that maybe you made your decision for not the right reason, this is your chance. There can never be anyone that will be punished for giving their life to Christ again. But I trust that this will be your final time because you've understood. When you give your life to Christ, you are assured of eternal life when you die and leave this earth. I told us in the beginning that we are created in His image. We exist in the spirit form. When we die, the physical wears off. The body is going to be buried six feet under the ground and we are going. our spirits are going to go to heaven. If you are a believer like me, if you've given your life and chosen to trust Jesus with your life, you are going to heaven. So, if you are the one, my dear friends, I want you to understand that death is imminent. You might be crossing the road. I might be recording this. I might be planning to record more. But just after this, I just pass on during my sleep. That is how imminent death happens. I would really ask us to reflect on our lives as a person, not as a group, not as a family, 
not as a class, not as a gathering, not as it's just a personal decision. For you to think through your life, God doesn't want you to come to Him because you want to, you know, live a fancy life. He doesn't want you to make this decision because He expects you to become holy there and then. But because you've decided He has the better way out, you've chosen to trust Christ and His righteousness be accounted unto you. And if you are the one, I would love to share with you a word of prayer right now. And I would request you to just wherever you are. The Bible doesn't tell us anywhere that when you're giving your life to Christ, when you're making the decision, you need men of God to come and lay legs, hands, whatever on you. They don't need to first get some kind of, you know, fancy oil and put it on you. You don't have to be in a big gathering. It is just when you hear and make the decision. You hear, you believe, and make the decision and confess with your mouth. I would want to request you, my dear friend there, to close your eyes and repeat after me in these words. You say, Dear God, I, say your name there, I have listened to your word, and I believe I need you in my life. Today I decide to open up my heart and have you reign in me. Help me live for you. Help me find the right church to help me grow in your word. Now and forever I believe and confess that Jesus is my personal Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for that decision. Thank you so much for making that decision today to choose to have Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. I would really kindly beg you to let me know if you are that person through the comments or directly sending me a message and we can keep in touch you know and for those of us who are in uganda it will be very glad for us to catch up and if possible we could meet and if possible i could be of help to assist you if you hadn't found a church that you can fellowship with to assist you and direct you to a good place for you to go and fellowship with and gather up and as we'll be moving on and sharing more messages from God's word, they'll be making more sense to you because now we will be speaking the same language. Okay? Thank you so much. May the Lord bless you and guide you through this journey. And until next time, stay safe. Jesus loves you. And I love you. Amen. Amen.